Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Come on. Let's magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. And while you're going there, let me just give honor to your pastor and uh, give honor to this great church. And uh, every time I, I come back, amen, uh, the music gets better and better. The preaching gets better and better. The people look better and better. Praise God. And, uh, amen. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. God makes things better, doesn't he? Amen. God wants us to make things better as well. Praise God. This is not just for us. This is for everybody around us. Hallelujah. And uh, a lot of people forget that Joseph had a dream and Egypt was saved. Praise God. Everything God gives us is to reach out into this world. We still have a job to fill up all the empty places in the pew. Amen. Can you say amen? I had a sermon I wanted to preach, but God told me to put that away. And um, I felt like he told me like, that that is not what his people need. And so I'm going to go into a slightly lower gear. And uh, I'm going to deliver what I feel is the word of the Lord for you this morning. Uh, it might be a little more along the preaching side, but hopefully it blesses you, encourages you, and strengthens you. Can you say amen? Do you love the word of the Lord? Exodus 13, chapter 17. 13, verse 17, excuse me. Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 17. Somebody say amen when you have it. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God... Everyone say God. That God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God, everyone say God. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war, they return to Egypt. But God, everyone said God. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt and I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject embrace the long route embrace the long route and we live in a world that's fascinated with shortcuts and speed and getting places really fast but God but God sometimes chooses the long route I didn't think I did a lot of amens on that one praise God but God sometimes chooses the long route can I get a bigger amen than that hallelujah heavenly father we thank you for your spirit and for your presence Lord I need you today to help me to minister to preach the word to edify the hearer to impart grace and faith and strength. God, use me and speak through me as the oracles of the Lord. God, I'm not worthy to preach your word. And I pray today, God, for your precious spirit to cover me and to enable me and to strengthen me. In Jesus' name, someone shout a great big amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. 
Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. We are in the 13th chapter of Exodus this morning. And there's a lot that's already happened. God has already unleashed all ten plagues over Egypt. God has already warned Pharaoh as much as he's going to warn him. The firstborn have already died. And in this 13th chapter, the children of Israel are getting ready to cross the Red Sea. In fact, I believe it's in chapter 14 that they will cross the Red Sea. But in this 13th chapter, something very peculiar happens. Decisions need to be made. These are not small decisions. They're very significant decisions. There are some estimated 600,000 men. Most biblical scholars raise that number up to about 3 million when they consider women and children and seniors that are not being counted in this census. And it's a very significant, important choice that needs to be made as to what you're going to do with 3 million people. Because they are leaving a system. They are leaving a civilization. They are walking out of Egypt, the most advanced civilization of its time. And they are now going to enter a place where they're not depending on anybody to tell them what to do. There's no markets. There's no national currency. There's no laws and police. They are going out into the wilderness. And the Lord tells Pharaoh, Moses, and Aaron, and everyone else from the very get-go that the reason they're going out to the wilderness is so that they might worship me. But we know that that's just the shorthand answer because in reality... They are not just embarking on a journey. They are embarking upon becoming a nation. They are going to become a nation. They are going to get out into the wilderness. They are going to have laws. They're going to have a system of their own where God is the center of that system. But right now, decisions need to be made as to what we're going to do with three million people. Some people say that a line of 3 million people is some 65 miles long. That's a long line. If I had 3 million people on my hands, wherever I needed to get them, I'd want to take the shortest route possible. I would try to expedite consolidate, shorten every process possible. I would try to get those three million people to move in as an efficient way as possible. And God stops Moses and he says, we're not going the shortest route possible. We're taking the longest route possible. We're taking the longest route possible. And... Immediately, God gives a reason why. 
But I want you to know that this reason is rather layered. You have to look a little deeper into it. Because there's more behind there. And God says, the reason we're not going to take the short route is because if the people see war, they're going to repent and they're going to go back to Egypt. And God never intended for his people to go back to Egypt. And the problem with the shortest route out is it's the shortest route back. And God says, you're permanently coming up. You're going to leave and you're never going to see them again. You're going to leave and you're never going to wear chains again. You're going to leave and you're never going to think like you used to think. You're going to leave and you're never going to eat what you used to eat. You're going to leave and you're never going to count time the way you used to count time. You're going to leave and you'll never worship the gods you used to worship. You're going to leave and you're never going to live the life you used to live. And so we're not going to take the short route out. Because the short route out, amen, at the very slightest trouble, you're going to take it right back. And I don't want you going back. And this is not part of this morning's message. But I do want you to know that when God takes you out of something, he does not intend to let you go back into that thing. If God delivered you from alcohol, he's not trying to let you go back to non-alcoholic beer. If God delivered you from drugs, he's not trying to let you go back to legalized drugs. If God delivered you from fornication, he's not trying to let you go back to fornication. If God... Oh, come on, somebody. And this is not part of my message this morning, but I want you to know that even the most seasoned saint, amen, has to constantly, amen, keep their Holy Ghost fresh and moving inside of them because with time, amen, convictions can slip away. With time, amen, firm, firm things we used to have a firm grasp on can begin to let, we can begin to let go of them. And so every often, amen, if not every day, we still need to hit the prayer room. We still need to open the Bible. We still need to push away the plate. We still need to come to church. We still need to hear the preaching. We still need to fellowship. We still need... Come on, I don't want to lose this. I, I, I don't want to be in church for 25 years just to backslide. I don't want to be in church for one year just to backslide. But believe it or not, war is not even the trouble. Because if you read verse 18, it says the children of Israel came out harnessed. That word harnessed in Hebrew literally means armored. They came out armored. The problem was they didn't have a spirit to fight. And what good does it do you to have a sword if you ain't got the spirit to swing it? And guess what? The Philistines aren't even the trouble. Being attacked by the Philistines is not so much the problem in and of itself. Because in fact, Israel, when they do leave Egypt finally, they will be attacked. They're going to be attacked by the Amalekites. The the difference between the Amalekites and the Philistines is that the Amalekites were just bullies. But you can handle a bully. You just hit him back. 
The difference between the Amalekite and the Philistine is that the Israelites had to go through the land of Philistia. Let me tell you something. You never want to fight a man that's fighting for everything. You never want to fight a man that's defending his home, his children, his wife, his town. That man is going to fight to the last drop. You can punch a bully in the the nose and he'll cut it out. But a man who's fighting for everything he's ever had. Even God chooses his battles wisely. Even God says, you know what? You guys have swords, you guys have shields, but you don't have a spirit. And you, you can't cross through this territory because these people are spirited. And they are determined to fight with everything they have to defend their land, their country, their families. And you don't have that spirit. So we're not going that way. We're going to go the long route. We're going to go the long route. And I'm not going to preach very long this morning. Nobody wants the long route. 65 mile long line. Three million people. Why the long route, God? We see all the problems that can arise. But isn't there more problems that can arise? First of all, on this long route, God, there's a huge body of water called the Red Sea. You know, I used to preach all the time, and, and I, I understand it still, ha- it still holds its, its own grain of truth. But I used to preach all the time, God will never give you more than you can bear. Actually, God will give you more than you can bear all the time. But he doesn't do it to frustrate you. He doesn't do it to discourage you. He doesn't do it to get you to go out the back door. He he does it so that you turn to him. He does it so that you say, you know what? I cannot bear this burden on my own. Come on. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You're wondering why you have this surplus of trouble. I'll tell you why you got the surplus of trouble. I know you're trying to find out who to blame. I know you're looking in the mirror not even too happy with that man or woman. But can I tell you that the surplus of your trouble, amen, is a hope. It, 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 God let it happen in hopes that you would turn to him. Amen. Don't let it drive a wedge between you and God. Let it drive it. Let it drive you closer to God. Don't let it be the thing, amen, that makes you walk away from from God. Let it be the thing that makes you walk to God. Amen. Don't let it be the wedge issue between you. I'm telling you every single thing that's going on in your life right now, you can take it to God in prayer. You can take it to God in praise. You can take it to God in worship. You can take it. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. Let's magnify Jesus here just for a few seconds. Let's just praise him. Let's just praise him. I feel God talking to somebody right now. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, as you're clapping, you can hand some of it over to God right now. You can give God that surplus right now. You can give God that extra stress, that extra pain, that extra...
You see, right off the bat, right off the bat, they are going to need God. And I, 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 know, I know this may, this, this, this might get an immediate amen, but in the long run, it's harder to amen this kind of stuff. God will always choose the route that demands His participation. God will always choose the route that is going to require you to get on your knees and stay prayed up. But you know what? I've been living for God long enough now that I'm glad. I can praise God for the long route now. I can praise God for the long route now. I can praise God because I learned how to eat manna. I can praise God because I learned that he'll... I can praise God because I learned that he can make my shoes last longer than they should. I can praise God now for the long route because I found out, amen, that he can make my clothes last longer than they should. I can praise God now for the long route because I found out that you can throw a stick in a lake and God will make bitter water sweet. I can praise God now for the long route. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. You wouldn't be where you're at today. Your children wouldn't be where you're at today had God let you get the shortcut. You wouldn't be where you're at today had God just let you mosey on by into victory. Some of you are here today because you've had to fight every square inch of the way. And I'm telling you, it was good for you. And I'm telling you, God loves you. And I'm telling you that you learned some invaluable lessons along the way. And I'm telling you that what you got right now... Come on, let's magnify him. I feel like God is really talking to somebody here today. God will always choose the route that demands his participation. God refuses to be left out. You know, Hezekiah, Hezekiah was a righteous king. There's no arguing that. He's even in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. There's no arguing how good of a man Hezekiah was. There is no arguing how good of a... When when Israel was in shambles, Hezekiah brought about a religious, spiritual, and economic revival that was so desperately needed. Man, he was a good king. But he got sick, and he almost died. And God did something for Hezekiah that baffles the imagination. Isaiah comes in. This is how good God is. Isaiah comes in, says, Hezekiah, you're going to die. I just came to let you know the good news. And Isaiah leaves. Hezekiah throws himself against the wall. And begins to pray. God tells Isaiah, go back and tell Hezekiah that he's not going to die. And Hezekiah himself is rather incredulous. He says, well, if it's true, make the sun move. And God makes the sun move. And then Isaiah, Hezekiah had a tumor on his leg. He had a massive growth. And Hezekiah gives him some dates or melons or something. I don't remember off the top of my head. He gives him these fruits. He says, put it on your leg. He puts this fruit on his leg. And the next day, the tumor's gone. 
And a few weeks later, the king of Babylon's son shows up to congratulate Hezekiah on his miracle. Or so it seems. But we all know political meetings are much more layered than that. And the Bible says that Hezekiah took them through his house, through his palace, through his armories, and through his treasuries, and showed them everything. He showed them everything. In fact, the Babylonians had come just to kind of chit-chat. But by the time they left, they had determined, we're going to come back, and we're taking everything now. Isaiah shows up, and he tells Hezekiah, what did you do? He said, I showed them everything in my palace and in my house, and I didn't withhold anything. And Isaiah says, you've stirred the greed of the Babylonians, and now they're going to take you and your, aunt, and, and your descendants captive. And they do. And on the surface, it's actually kind of hard to see what the problem is. You know what the problem was? Hezekiah was bragging about the wrong thing. Hezekiah never showed them the Torah scroll that was mandatory for every king to have according to Exodus. Because every king had to have his own personalized copy of the law. Hezekiah never showed them, look, these are the children God gave me. He's been a good God. Hezekiah never showed them, amen, the wife and said, look, this is the woman God gave me. She's a good woman. Hezekiah never said, hey, look at the scar on my leg. I used to have a tumor right there and God healed me. Hezekiah never took him into that room and said, see this wall right here? This is where I prayed to the God of Israel and he heard my cry and he, and he stopped the earth's access. Amen. Hezekiah left God out of the picture and God said Hezekiah you don't leave me out of the picture you don't bring people into your home and show them the house you bring people into your home and you tell them how good I am Hezekiah you don't you don't just leave God out of the picture, Cornerstone. I'm talking to some blessed people right here. But God wants you to remember, amen, when people ask you about the job, the car, the degree, the house, the children, you better lift him up. You better praise him. You better give him the glory he deserves. When people of high esteem and stature begin to tell you in the, in the supermarket, man, your kids are so well behaved, don't just say, thank you very much, sir. Me and my husband are really good people. You ought to shout in the aisles of Target and Walmart. God has been a good God to us. God has helped us do this. What the doctor tells you, this is a miracle. Don't tell them, yes, I drink, I drink pomegranate juice every day. You ought to give God praise for what he's done. When they tell you what a beautiful home you have, you better tell them, I didn't know it hasn't always been this way. God's been good to me and God gave me a job and God kept my wife. Come on, somebody. Let's give God some praise right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 
thank God for good music, but Cornerstone can praise God when there's no music playing. Thank God for the talent in the choir, but we've learned how to praise God on the job. We've learned how to praise God at school. We've learned how to praise God as we walk across the platform to get our degrees. We've learned how to praise God in the hospital. We've learned how to praise... We've learned how to praise God on a beautiful Sunday morning. While everybody is out, while everybody's out at the lake, we're going to be right here. We're going to be out here worshiping God who's been good to us. God! Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking to two people this morning. Group number one. Thank God for the long route. There are people here that perhaps you're not, you're still pretty new to the faith, new to the church, new to all this God business. And you're not quite sure why everything fell apart before you got saved. And in some cases, you probably haven't even recovered from all that fell apart right before you got saved. And you're wondering, does it really require all this? Yes. Because God is not interested in you going back to those friends. God is not interested in you going back to those suicidal thoughts. And God is not interested in you going back to that illicit relationship. And God is not interested in you going back to drug addiction. And God is not interested in losing you. And so he says, we're going to go on a long route. Because the longer you go out, the harder it gets to go back. And I want you to know that what God is doing is he's making it virtually impossible for you to go back. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. I thank God that there's more roadblocks behind me come on somebody I'm, I'm talking to you new convert I'm talking to you six months saved I'm talking to you two years saved and you're still going to court to fight for custody of your kids I'm talking to you right now I'm talking to you right now prayer meetings in the car as you go to that job where you're underpaid I'm talking to you right now as you le- as you as you kneel in that living room that doesn't have furniture for the rent and you don't know why you're going through what you're going through and how can you have Jesus but things be this bad you're on the long route honey and one day God's gonna take you out so far you'll never go back to the woman you used to be you'll never go back to the man you used to be you'll never go oh come on let's magnify Jesus Come on, some of you good seasoned saints that God brought you out so far, you'll never go back. You can help me preach this. You know about this. You know. You thank God for those roadblocks. You thank God for those warning signs. You've lived long enough now to know he was good when he blocked it. He was good when he stopped it. I. Come on, is there anybody here that's been living for God long enough that you could thank him for all the prayers he didn't answer, for all the prayers that didn't? Ha, ha, ha.
Is there anybody here that can thank God for the job they got instead of the one they initially wanted? You know, the job that you thought was the job of a lifetime. But God said, we still got some walking to do. We still got some miles to go. I got something way better for you. And now you're sitting in a job that you don't deserve, that you're uneducated for, that you should have never got. That you- Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Somebody magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, we're just reading some Bible here. Come on, this is just some good Bible reading. Come on, it's good for your soul. It's good for your soul. I'm preaching to somebody right now, amen, who's on the long route, amen. You can lift your hands on the long route. You can thank God on the long route. I'm preaching to somebody, it's you, you just, you know what, you're going to cause yourself a whole lot of trouble if you resist what God is, the, 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 the route that God has put before you. I'm preaching to somebody right now that if you're not careful, you're going to thwart the blessings of God. You're going to upset God. You're going to grieve God. You're on the long run. You got to just walk it out. You got to just put one foot in front of the other and say you know what God knows what he's doing God knows best I I may have a sword but I don't have the spirit and God knows my spirit and so God says you're going to walk you're not going to war you're you're, you're not ready for that yet you're just not there quite yet so I'm going to go this way instead you know what you're the kind of person that forgets about me every six months that's why you promised me you'd serve me for the last three years and you're barely doing it now so this time we're going to take the longest route possible so that we can go ahead and start living so that we can come on Because when you're living in sin, that's not living at all. And God says, I'm tired of you being alive, but not living. I'm tired of you inhabiting a body, but not living. I'm tired of the back and forth. And so this time, we're going to go around. It's okay if God's talking to you. It's okay to cry if God's talking to you. It's okay to lift your hands if God's talking to you. It's okay to pray if God's talking to you. It's It's okay to break out into prayer right now if you were thinking about fried chicken and tacos a second ago and you were just hoping I'd wrap this up very quickly. It's okay to break out and say, my goodness, God is talking to me today. God is talking to me and my wife today. God is talking to me and my kids today. God... Every hand lifted up for five seconds. Come on. Hallelujah. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God encourage you on the long route. I pray God open your eyes on the long route. I pray God help you to live on daily bread and daily prayers. And Hallelujah. 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 Woo! 
Yes. Come on. Come on. I pray God bless you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lay your hands on your wife, bro. Lay your hands on your wife. Hallelujah. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God heal you on the long route. I pray... I pray the Holy Ghost encourage you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray God help you to forget your past on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God strengthen you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. God bless her on the long route. God keep her on the long route. God encourage her on the long route. God show her how good you are on the long route. God, in the name of Jesus. 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 I feel some long route strength coming in. Sande, there's a big difference between reading a book and being a reader. There's a big difference between having a prayer meeting and being prayerful. God is trying to get all of us to be incurably committed. I mean, when we're just people, that that's just what we do. It's not, prayer meeting's not a goal. It's lifestyle. We don't pray once in a while. We pray about all things. We pray about everything. And all, we're not just trying to go from battle to battle. We're on the long route. There are saints of God, I, 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 I have a word from the Lord from you, for you. You are on the long route. I got a word from God. Your marriage is on the long route. 
until one of you quit saying, I wish I never married you. Until one of you quit sleeping on the couch. Until one of you quit storming out the house. Every time you're confronted about something. You're on the long route. And that's a good thing. You know, I, I've preached this. We've all heard this. You know, we always talk about when you're off by a little, you'll be off by a lot. But you know, the reverse is true also. When you're on by a little, you'll eventually hit your target. They've done studies with people who shoot arrows, Brother Mayo, people who can't even shoot arrows. And they just keep handing Brother Mayo the arrow. And believe it or not, with time, he starts getting closer and closer to the bullseye. And so if you do nothing else, if you get nothing else out of this, and I'm just talking to the married people for a few seconds. You have a wonderful pastor. He'll counsel you for hours on end. <laughs> if you do nothing else, start doing something. Get off the couch and go to bed. Even if there's a pillow between you, at least you're one inch in the right direction. Come on, I'm still preaching good. If you're going to leave the house, don't slam the door this time. Just walk out quietly. Just go around the block and come back in five minutes rather than five days. Come on, I'm preaching good. Because if you're on by a little, you'll eventually hit your target. If you're Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Don't throw a plate this time. And if you got to throw a plate, throw a plastic one. But just get on target little by little. And before you know it, your marriage will be where it needs to be. And... Hey, guess what? You're on the long route. You got time. Start working on it. Don't worry about it. There's no hurry. Just get yourself together. Even if it's just a little bit. Even if it's just one step. Even if it's just one inch. But just start doing it now. And before you know it, you're going to have the marriage you dreamed about. And before you know it, your kids will turn around. And before you know it, your backslid kids will come back. And before you know it, your husband... Before you know it, you'll wake up and your husband will beat you to prayer. Before you know it, you'll... Everybody wants that shortcut. But the problem is speed distorts perception. You go fast enough, you're just not seeing things the way they really are. You got folks that want to engage in relationships over a, fa over a Facebook profile the size of a thumbnail and three blurbs, you're like, he's the one. <laughs> you're on the long route. We don't find our spouse on Facebook. We don't slide in the DMs. I'm still preaching good. You're on the long route. And when you're on the long route, you don't slide in nobody's DMs. And when you're on the long route, you don't...
We ain't, yeah, I, I thought it'd get like that. It gets quiet. I'm telling you right now, amen, relationships take a long time, and you got to get it right, because there's something worse than being single, and that's being married to the wrong person. And I'm, I'm still preaching good right now. You may not want to shout about that, because... Everybody wants that shortcut. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying this. I know people that are horrible with their money for one reason. They don't manage their money. They have no hustle, no grind. We're getting really quiet now. If you're uncomfortable, just keep looking this way. Don't even sweat it. Listen. Listen, you got, you, you've got to be about your business at all times. Because guess what? Your, your mom and dad's inheritance ain't going to change your life that much. And if you sit there wasting your life away, amen, I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than clean water in a dirty pitcher. And what good does the windfall do you if you're not equipped to manage it and equipped to administrate it and equipped to save it and, and equipped to keep it off to the side and equipped to be generous with it? What good does it do you if you get a big inheritance being a couch potato? You're gonna, you'll probably end up more broke in the end. Thank God if you get it. Thank God if you don't. But you got a God that's walking with you. And he's got you on the long route. And he wants to teach you some things about money and life and blessing and grace and strength and faith. And he wants to teach you some things about getting through college and having a good marriage. And he wants to give you a bunch of stuff that money can't buy. He wants to get you a bunch of stuff that's a spiritual inheritance. That's a heavenly inheritance. That's better than anything any man or woman could ever leave you. Well, Brother Prado, I don't believe that. That's because you ain't walking with God. God. When you start walking with God, you'll realize that what God gives you. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm going to close. Listen, I know, I know. I, I, I realize what preaching can look like. To people that are in a lot of pain. And sometimes you look at somebody preaching while you're going through the trial of your life and you're thinking, you know, that sounds really good, but you. We're dealing with real deal life. And that's real inspirational and stuff, but you know, I'm going through some things right now that are very real. I'm not negating your pain. Your pain is more real than even you or I could articulate together. And the truth is your pain won't be clapped away. And the truth is your pain won't be cheerleaded away. But you can't walk your pain out. Do you know that they've done studies on PTSD, because now we're producing more veterans than ever, than ever. God bless our veterans. 
But let me tell you, one of the biggest causes of PTSD is that you, and we have plenty of veterans in our church now. We live on a military base. But one of the biggest problems, Brother Mayo, is you can go from gunshots in Mogadishu to back in California holding your baby in a matter of days. But you know, in the olden days, it wasn't like that. When you went out to war, it'd be years before you came back. There wasn't text message, phone calls. At best, there was snail mail. But what there was were people that had been through the same war, through the same pain, and they had a long way home. Yeah. Yeah. And they walked together. And they cried together. And they burned off all the pain. And they walked out all the pain. And they wept all the pain out. So God says, I'm taking you on the long route. Don't get too angry. Because I got a few sisters over here on the left side of the church that have been through what you've been through, girl. And nobody's in a hurry. And they're going to walk with you. Don't get too angry, brother. I know you've lost things that money can't give you back. I know you've lost things that are irreplaceable. But don't worry. There's a brother a few pews over that did too. And he'll walk with you. When it's all said and done, we're family. The implication of our Father, which art in heaven, means we're all brothers and sisters. Right. We be brethren. We ain't twins. Yeah, no, because there's folks in the church that want twins everywhere. You got to be just like me. Well, guess what? There's somebody that's not like you, but that's been through everything you've been through. My prayer, to, my prayer for those of you that are on the longest walk of your life with the realest pain you've ever felt is to start praying now, God, give me somebody to walk with. Hey, let me tell you something about reaching glorious places, unimaginable places. The closer you get to them, the harder it gets. The clo- Jesus referred to Calvary as the moment in which the Son of God is glorified. And you know that the closer he got to Golgotha, the harder it was for him to carry his own cross. The closer he got to that next level, the harder it got. And God said, don't worry, I'm bringing you somebody. And we're going to walk. Yeah, there's shortcuts. We're going up the hill. Yeah, no, he's not taking the cross off your back. He's going he's to get underneath it with you. 
And yeah, they're going to lead you to the top. And there's still some pain there. But on the other side of it all, there's change. There's, there's a new life. There's a resurrection. There's a rising up out of the ashes. Let's stand. I feel a very special presence of the Holy Ghost here right now. Can we pray together as a family?